The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I look at the way Pekin celebrate. I look at the way Limerick celebrates a monster, right? To, to go, we actually want to win the Leinster. You know, or are they treating it as just another game, another step forward? That's, that's the question I have. Subscribe to the GA Podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 12 minutes past 8, you're very welcome back. It is All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship quarter-final weekend. Uh, well, it's not a really a weekend, it's Monday, it's Saturday, it's back-to-back fixtures. It's Galway against Cork at a quarter to two on Saturday, and then Clare against Wexford is the second game at a quarter to four. They're both on at Semple Stadium, and Tommy Welsh is with us to look ahead to them. Tommy, good morning to you, how are you keeping? Yeah, good morning, Owen. Uh, first of all, the big story around these fixtures is obviously going to be with regards to the disciplinary process, it feels like every big hurling game needs to have uh, one of these stories around it at the moment. And it looks like uh, Keenan Fahey and Rory Hayes and Peter Duggan will appeal their bans tomorrow night. Uh, first of all, Tommy, is that a good idea in the week leading up to a game to, to be focusing on this sort of stuff? Or do you think, sure, look, there's a chance that we might be able to get these players back. We may as well throw every dice we've got. Yeah, I think it all depends on if, if you feel there's an injustice on, I think um, it's definitely worse exploring that avenue. I think if probably you look at two different type of instances, the one in the Munster final, I think what people in Clare are most um, you know, disappointed with is the fact that there's only two instances shown on the Sunday game. Both of them are ones that people that are at the game didn't see, but maybe they're right right there. And like were they the only two instances in the game? And I just think it is a dangerous avenue. Like listen, the Sunday game is an iconic programme. I grew up watching it. It's the reason half the country, you know, in Ireland are, are playing hurling because they look forward to that evening, watching the highlights of their heroes, watching the great things happening. And I know the Sunday game, I'm sure they have a, a job to do. They have to highlight instances whether they're good or bad. But I suppose what we have to be careful of is, like, do we just show the instances that the referee dealt with? Because otherwise you're going down on a very, very dangerous avenue because, like, Everyone will be crying out now from Clare and probably all over the country. Did they, did they look at every incident in the game? And what that will lead to happening then is the referees or the referees council or whoever's looking over these uh, video analysis, the CCC, they'll go back and explore every single incident in every game. And then you'll probably come out with five or six or seven suspensions. And I know probably the, the message to be sent down for, 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 for the future is, well, listen, if you don't do anything, you won't be suspended. But um, I just think it's it's a tough call at this stage of the season that only two instances were picked out. And I think that's probably what will disappoint most hurling people. Um, there'll probably be no, you know, no one can really say that there weren't, you know, probably suspensions. I, I understand that. But um, just from a, from a player's point of view and the GA in particular, there's so many instances going on in every game. You've got a five or six suspensions, you know. The one thing I would say is that it, it's, we're kind of unsure of how much of an influence the Sunday game has. Like, I'm sure it has some influence. There's like a couple of these situations where they've definitely aligned with television coverage. But there is kind of an element of secrecy around the CCCC where we don't get given enough information, it seems, when it comes to why they're taking these decisions um, and how they arrive at these decisions. And just a lack of transparency in general when it comes to the disciplinary process. You'd assume that that would maybe help things along for, for everybody, really, if there was a bit more transparency on that front. Well, I don't know about that either on because if if they if they you know start getting into that, they'll have to go through every instant and every game of every second. It could take it hours and hours and looking at five or six different camera angles to see what you pick up. 
Like you see in the WhatsApps during the week, lads are picking up on video phones during the week, but you can't be going on that either. So listen, it, it is a difficult one. Um, you know, I would probably like to see, you know, maybe this, maybe they have to do a job on the Sunday game on, on their nighttime program, but I would like to see them dealing with the instance that the referee was looking at during the game and everything else, leave it to the CCC. And I think most people will probably be happy enough with that. And say if an opposition were disappointed with a particular instance, that maybe they could, you know, cite them. Is that what they do in rugby? They could cite a particular incident if they wanted that. And because that would mean then if someone really felt badly about a certain way that a player was being managed, you know, off the ball, that there was an avenue for them to, to explore. And otherwise, otherwise now, most hurling people, like, you'd have to be very proud if you're uh, in the family of Seamus Flanagan or on the team of Seamus Flanagan the weekend uh, and all the Limerick players and the fact that when they did get the belts, they just got on with it. And that's the way we grew up hurling. That's the way hurling is played in your backyard. You give belts and you, you took belts and you just got on with it. And uh, you let the referee maybe look after if it was that more serious. And I just, I think them two lads, I think they deserve huge credit uh, on the offside of that is that they didn't look for anyone to be sent off. They weren't rolling around the ground. That showed the toughness of their mentality. That showed that they know the game. If they're willing to pull and drag out a player, listen, sometimes there's consequences. And uh, I just say fair play to the two lads. And obviously we see that it's a, a double header, Tommy, um, in Sample Stadium. Great to see it's in Sample Stadium, but the fact that it's a double header, I was just seeing on Twitter yesterday, like there was a lot of comments, people can't get tickets. You know, they're... they're you know, really hoping to get to these games and it's becoming a problem. Should it have been a double header? Could we have seen it maybe on two different days? Um, I'd have to agree with the double header, Ashing. Um, like we're all raving on about the Munster final versus the Leinster final. You know, the whole of Ireland probably could have got to throw apart for the Leinster final that night. <laughs> and we're all giving out that the atmosphere was terrible. So let's go back to the Munster final. The, you know, Terra 6 were sold out in 11 minutes. It was impossible to get tickets. I never got as many texts uh, for tickets for a match even when I was playing and uh, just couldn't be got. So listen, I think that the real diehards, they will get tickets for that match. I would imagine through their clubs and through their contacts and that the real, if you really, really want to go, if, I, I, I would find you will get a ticket somewhere where you have to drive to Donegal or drive to <laughs> the far side of the country to get one, you will get one. And I think it will lend itself to a huge, huge atmosphere. And like we've seen even in the football in Clonus versus Crow Park last weekend, we've seen the Leinster versus the Munster final. We've seen earlier around Robbins when Kenny went up to, to Pierce Stadium. It was electric. It was up there myself. It was like knockout championship game. So I fully agree with putting the, the double header in Turles, which lends itself to a huge atmosphere. Oh, absolutely. Definitely that it's in Turles. But do you think it could have been two different days. Like, could they not have sold that out twice? Had the same atmosphere twice? Like, would there not have been that amount of crowd by two? Um, possibly, but I I would doubt it. Um, okay. I don't know how Orlis was probably 40, 45,000 people. And I just think it, it lends itself to be four sets of sports hanging around Orlis all yeah. morning. Uh, you know, I was there for the Munster final earlier in quarter 12. And I just thought it was... It was just one of those days that you just had to be there. I think quarterfinals, yes, maybe there'll be huge interest this weekend because there's four teams with, it seems like a 50-50 chance each. There's no clear-cut favourites. But I think normal days, quarterfinals should be a day where all four teams go together and it should lend itself to a huge day out.
And just when you're talking about the tickets there, you were saying that people were asking for tickets, they'd be looking for tickets. I remember you saying before that you used to keep a book of all the people that used to ask you <laughs> for tickets and you'd, you'd write down their name and then you'd give it to your mom. <laughs> yeah. No, that was it. That was it. So we're all early final day. So whatever day it used to be, it was the first week in September. So the minute a lad had asked me for a ticket, he'd go into the book and, uh, you know, you could have 50, 60, 70 requests, you know, and um, they went up to mommy then and we kind of went through the list just to deserve them the most. Uh, you know, so listen, there could be a lot of lads texting me you know, after this show saying, you never get me tickets, I think I deserve one, but uh, no, that's the way it was. It was very easy and people used to get carried away. I remember it was the Kerry men, you'd reel off that time when I was starting hurling about the Kerry guys, they were giving guidance that time during the media how to deal with all our finals. And I just felt, rolling up to an all and final, my head was never erect with it. Because someone, no matter who asked me, they went into that book and I didn't think about it again until I got the tickets. When I got the tickets, you know, I went through it and listen, most of them were gone to your aunties, uncles and first cousins anyway. So um, that's just the way it was. But yeah, it's a nice way of dealing with it. And, and I had, would you believe, Ashton, if like the all final could be on a Sunday, you could have a leg called to your door half six Saturday evening. See, Imagine, like you're trying to get your head in the game there, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable stuff, but if you kind of have positive attitude towards them, like, that's the way I looked at it. It was kind of organised, done and dusted. And there's no tickets. If you ask me, we come up to the game for a ticket, I would say, no, they're gone. They're done dusted for two weeks beforehand. So there was no, uh, <laughs> there's no search for tickets tonight for an Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> they have to deal with that for Munster Hurling final day and for All Ireland quarter final day, it turns out this year, Tommy. Yeah, yeah, listen, it's a great complaint. On, Absolutely. You know, last year we were at games with 2,000 people, lad. We were at the All Ireland a couple of years ago, no one added. It's unbelievable. Like, that's, I think this is what we want. And the Crow Heart can't get it right every day. Like, as, you know, you've seen the criticism they got last, for the last few weekends of not uh, of having them up in Crow Heart. Now they're doing this and we're going to get a bumper crowd and it's going to be an amazing day, you know. So I think, listen, all credit goes to Crow Park. Like it's, it's a lad that made the fixtures years ago told me fixtures are always easy until you have to go away and then you'll find out how difficult they are. So, listen, all oh, huge credit. As the hurling man is a neutral, I can't wait to go to, to Turles on, on Saturday for, for two great games. The first of those two games is Galway against Cork. It's a 145 throw-in. The big question for Galway was around the performance in Crow Park. It felt like a flat occasion, but it felt like a relatively flat performance from Galway. In, when you're in a squad like that, how do you manage to fix an intangible like flatness in the space of two weeks? Yeah, well, I suppose they had been unbeaten coming up to it, and there's nothing like you know a loss to to to, to ra- you know raise or sharpen your focus. And they hadn't had that probably since the earlier rounds, and probably the the, the league st- stages. They were all maybe you know the, the nine points to top the league, but I disagree with a lot of commentary around the game in regards. I thought they worked very, very hard. I just thought what let them down on the day was their execution. Like Kenny came with a ferociousness, as we always expect to Kenny after a loss like that. Brian Cody had his team just humming for, for the day regards work rate, regards savagery, regards physicality. And I thought Galway brought too for, for long uh, parts of that game on. I think what let them down in the end was their execution. Like did Joseph Cooney had a great goal chance. He went straight through and went to kick it which is always a 50-50 you know unless you're you know from Kerry maybe or from Tyrone or the, you know one of the Dublin footballers for most hurlers it's a 50-50 one where you kick it whether it goes into the goal or over to the sideline and he just went straight uh, at Owen Murphy and if he had to bat at that ball like you know the Cork team used to train Donald O'Grady used to train the Cork and Limerick hurlers that time when he was coaching them 
when you gain near the goal, just bat that ball into the, into the net. Uh, then Conor Whelan had two great chances. You know, one where he bounced it into the ground and with very little pace. We've seen Gerard Higgerty doing that in the most final, but skidded at a huge pace into the corner. I know he had more time and more space to, to make the swing, but Conor Whelan would normally put them in the back of the net. The other one was the cross over from, I think it was Brian Concannon, and he just missed the control. Now, it was a very... The pace on the pass was probably a bit too fast, but still it was a super goal chance. And then there was another one where uh, when the Galway forwards going through and it was a body block by, by Owen Murphy. So there was four very, very good, and I wouldn't call them half chances, I'd say great goal chances that they didn't take. So I would disagree with a lot of the commentary on. I thought they came with huge physicality to that game and um, they just they, they missed a lot of chances. That's a, that's, so they're in a, in a good position, you think, after two weeks ago that there's actually not a, a whole pile to fix because those hurlers, the fellas that you've listed out there are all exceptional hurlers. That, that execution is absolutely in their locker and it's just about, I guess, finding the right moments uh, and just executing better this week. Is, 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 it, is it as simple as that for Galway to get over the line against Cork? Well, like when you miss four goal chances, like they have been a team that score a lot of points. I think it's more calmness in front of them. It probably needs to be done on the, on the training ground where you put those guys into those situations and say, listen, calm down. I always remember listening to the Gooch Cooper. It stuck in my head from an interview we gave years ago. I think he said it to Donny, when you're going through and go, don't just blast the ball. Pick a spot and just glide it in. Most You'll be so close to the goalie, he won't have the, the reactions to stop it. And, um, you know, I watched his Laker Gale only two or three weeks ago again and, and, and he was playing that. Uh, fact out again so he was one of the greatest finishers you know in the game and hurling you know a similar game except for just you're using a stick in the ball and um, I think the great players that's what they do they, they they pick a spot like the Limerick guys I think are absolutely outstanding at Galan Hegarty just when they see the goalie coming to just slot somewhere where he's not or to put it to his bad side so I think either it's spoken to him but I think a lot of that comes from practicing on the training ground on uh, but I think What'll, what will be tough for Galway is we've seen the four provincial finalists in the football with their two-week break. It's such a disappointment losing the provincial final, expect, expect, especially when you're coming from a position where you're mad to win it. You haven't been winning it year in, year out. And it's where Clare will find it very difficult. It's where uh, Galway will find it very, very difficult. They're so disappointed. You've seen Henry Shefflin on the sideline after the game. So, you know, downtrodden, so disappointed. So can they pick themselves up? That will be the question with their spirit and their liveliness or will they be you know finding it tough like like the provincial finalists in, in the football and just looking at Cork as well like they, they had a bit of a slow start and then they came into their own and someone that I think has really had a, a really big impact is Conor Lahan. you know he's been exceptional for them what have you made of him so far Tommy? Yeah I Lahan has been outstanding and uh, I remember watching him back in county finals and just given a tour of for- force of Parky Creeve. I remember one of his first years, I'd say probably around maybe 2012, I'd say, or 13. Uh, he was coming onto the stage. We were playing him down in Parky Creeve. He's just so fast he was back then. So he, he had a great career, although they didn't win in All-Ireland. And he was dropped, you know, last year and asked back onto the panel this year. And they say, oh, do you know what? To hell with you. He didn't want me last year. How, how do you think that if I put in the training from now until then that you're going to suddenly have belief in me. Oh no, he went back, showed his mental resolve, showed his toughness, and he's been outstanding, one of the main leaders actually for this Cork team. The big question for them is, which Cork team turns up? When they turn up with an attitude, where it, and it's all to do with defending, coming from number 15 back to, to their goalkeeper, will they turn up with an attitude of defending? Or will it be a case of when the ball comes to me, 
or I'll work so hard to get the ball and put it over the bar in the back of the net. But I don't care about the other side of the game. Hurling is a 50-50 game. When you have the ball and when you don't have the ball. When Cork turn up, when, when they have no attitude towards chasing their def- chasing the opposition, towards taking the ball back off them, they're, they're a total different team. We've seen in the last game or two, they turned up with the attitude that, yes, listen, it's my responsibility. Shane Kingston has, has showed it. You know, uh, Darren Fitzgibbon has showed it. With chase backs and last-minute hooks, last-minute blocks, sometimes just getting in your body. We spoke about this at the very start in their first game when they lost it. They have been doing that in the last game or two. And if they stay doing that, I give them, you know, I nearly put them favourites. And there's a few injury concerns. Robert Downey, Sean O'Donoghue, as you mentioned there, uh, Sean Kings, or Shane Kingston, sorry, as well. Um, they're unsure. So if those type of players are out, you know, that's that's going to be worrying for them? It will be worrying, but it also can, and might be no harm to Cork, it give you an extra focus. They seem to, when they're very, very focused and when the pressure is off, they have hurled at their best. We've seen Clare when they're missing six. We thought Watford were beating be 10, 15 points. Probably, you know, if you're trying to get through in that monster group, you were probably given out about Clare. You know, the Cork were playing that weekend and they were probably worried. I listen, Clare are definitely going to win or Watford are definitely going to win. Clare are down six men. Their main men um, were, were missing. John Connolly was missing. Tony Kelly was missing. And we've seen the tour de force that Clare get blown in against Watford. So I think that'll be in Cork's lock, locker. Clark, Cork is a big hurling county. Cork always has great hurlers. So they'll, they'll have no problem, I think, bringing in guys and I never think hurling is 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 what their downfall is. Actually, I think their, their downfall is their attitude towards defending. I think if they are missing one or two, I might bring them that uh, razor sharp for, focus uh, to go out and win this this weekend. You said there a moment ago you'd make them favourites if they bring that level of aggression. Do you think they will? Do you make them favourites? Yeah, I do make them favourites. Uh, one for the simple reason is I think <clears throat> Galway are going to be so disappointed after that Leinster final. It's going to be so difficult for them to pick themselves uh, back up. Now, if they do pick themselves back up and they play with the fire and the brimstone that you're, you know, associate with with Gal in the in the earlier rounds, well, then listen, it'll be absolutely a fifty fifty game. But I think it's just going to be so tough for this Galway team to pick it back up. And I think the the upper trajectory of this Cork team, I think that's where they're going. And I think, um, yeah, it'll lend to a, a victory for Cork. Uh, just before we move on to the second game, just something you said there a moment ago about unless you're a Kerry or a Tyrone hurler, you don't kick the ball. Uh, what was your policy on kicking the ball as a hurler? Did you just avoid at all costs or uh, was it something that you reverted to when when needs must? Well, there's a back, just boot. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking you about finishing, you're talking about scoring with the boot. Yeah, well, no, when you're scoring with the boot, it's far, di- okay. far different. So when you're, no, I always used to try and hit it with the hurling player and so on instead of away from it, but... You know, we're starting to play a bit of football here in Tullerone now these days. We entered the under-13 championship and uh, we got bet in the league final and we won the county final. So we must be doing something right. Happy days. Who did you beat in the county final? Um, I won't say because we're yeah. playing in the under-11 hurling county final tomorrow. It's going to be a big battle. So... <laughs> <laughs> the cards I the find chest. as well when you kick the slitter because if you hit the ridge wrong on the slitter it can go anyway so that's a big thing even if you play football it can be quite tough to to gauge it right and to connect with it right so I sometimes think it doesn't even matter if you play football you can just connect with it wrong whatever way it's sitting and it can go anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah I think most footballers anyway they're, when they're I suppose trying to position the ball they're kind of roundhouse they're kind of with the inside near their ankle that's where they're kind of hit the inside of their foot mm-hmm. whereas you can't really get any power in hurling ball as you said hit the rim in the wrong place 
you don't know where it's going to end up. So I think that's the problem with the hurling ball, you know. Like I think you just have to give it with the laces and sure it can go anywhere. So uh, Claire Wexford is uh, the second of the doubleheader on Saturday and uh, Shane O'Donnell's been out doing media this week. Uh, a lot of really interesting things that he's been speaking about. He's been talking about his concussion. He talks about six or seven weeks where his brain wasn't functioning. He says after an extended period of time, he says hurling was gone. You have to fully come to terms with what happened a few days after what he was feeling and having felt a full brunt of the symptoms, he accepted that he was never going to hurl again, he said. It's really extraordinary stuff because... His inclusion this year, his switch to wing forward, his comeback for Clare, has been part of a really significant part, Tommy, of, of this Clare resurgence this season. Yeah, and it was very, you know, it was a very good article, and he spoke, uh, you know, very well about it, and it just showed, I suppose, the addiction to sport that he wasn't able to stay away from it in the end, you know, even though he knew the consequence of what happened to him uh, last year, like it's. It's just more than just winning or losing. Like you're getting down to the dressing room with the lads, or you know, or the girls you're playing in ladies Gaelic football or camogie, and it's such an addictive thing. Like you're getting out of the house, you're down amongst your peers there for two hours, three or four times a week. You're in the gym together. Like it is a very addictive scene. Uh, being part of a, a club team or a county team, uh, and that's what probably hit me most when he um, when he spoke about the, the concussion. He knew how serious it was at the time, but. Uh, he and he thought that he would never, and he was comfortable at that time of never playing again. But as soon as you know, he felt good to go again. He was back, and he's after it, and he spoke about it uh, quite well. He's after putting on a few kilograms. And that's what's after, I suppose, helping him in in his ability. He's supposed to deal with the the, the physicality out around the half Ireland because we all know that's where that's where the bodies are these days. That middle third, and I think regards his head, I, I suppose it gave him a new lease of life. When you're inside, it can be you have to be very patient on you. It can be very frustrating. If you don't have a patient type of personality, your head can really go inside because you mightn't get the ball for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. But when it when it does come in, you have to be, you know, hungry and fresh and you have to be waiting for the opportunity. Like Christy Ring used to always say, like, a goal in the last five minutes is just as important as a goal in the first five minutes. And that's why he never got too caught up with how a game was going. He was just waiting and waiting and waiting for his chance. And Shane O'Donnell has been in there for many years, so it's great to see him out in half hour line. Oh, and he's a, a new lease of life out there. As he said himself, even when he's not in the game with the ball, he can go around making the tackles, uh, chasing you know the, the, the wing back, going up to, to, to make a run up to score a goal or, or for a pass. So he feels like he's in the game all the time. So a great work ethic, and I'd say one of the first names down the team for, for Brian Lawn. When you're analysing this game, do you have the same concern around Clare and their disappointment from a provincial final defeat as you would have had around Galway? Or is this a little bit different because Limerick are just so good and Clare can take a lot out of the draw and then the defeat? Yeah, no, I would actually take even more. I, I would put more probably on this game because Clare has been hurling out of their skin in every game since the Munster Championship uh, began, even when they, when, when they dropped the, the six guys for their last game. So they have been just hurling at peak performance for the last nearly two months, you know. And Shane said it in his interview. He said it was one of the most disappointing games that he was part of because they played so well, gave it everything and still lost. And I often found that myself when you play a game. Guys, when you play well and lose, there's people coming up congratulating you, telling you, you know, you had a great game or the team had a great game. But your overriding feeling inside your own head and body is you're devastated, you're disappointed. So you're thankful for and grateful for the people, you know, because you know probably you played well and you know the team played well, but you're still lost. 
And it's, it is devastating. And it's nearly harder, I found, because you don't have that probably bit growing up inside your, your soul or inside your heart to say, we're going to get them the next day because everyone's congratulating you on. You'd rather if, if, if you know, someone said, you, you know, you're terrible the last day. And in your, your head, you're saying, I'm going to show them uh, next Sunday or next Saturday in Turles towards the clear guys of lads congratulating them, tell them how great a team they are and how they will still get over, you know, Wexford this weekend. I think that's going to be the tough. It's the mental side of it for Clare is going to be their biggest uh, mission this weekend. If they can, as I would say, reset, it's over now. Don't try and we'll say, lads, remember how we played against Limerick. Remember how we played against Waterford. Forget all that. And you just focus on the next game. This will take on a life of its own. We've been a very, very hungry Wexford team. They'll bring huge support. They have great belief now. They're after getting a couple, you know, they're after getting a great win last weekend. And they got through probably against Kilkenny when nobody in Wexford even gave them a chance in all the park that night. So they're again, like Cork, they're, they're, they're on the upper curve and um, they have very, very good hurlers as well. And they're probably playing a more attacking style now. The Connor McDonald, the Rory O'Connor, the Lee Chin. So they have hurlers that can hurt you. So I think this will be Clare's most difficult uh, game in the whole championship. But Clare to progress? I don't know. Um, <laughs> because um, you're probably saying, Tommy, you should have thought about this, but I did. <laughs> I did go on. And I just don't know. Like, they're possibly, like, I, I, it's going to be very difficult for to get off it on a technicality for two guys to get off and be suspension. So they could be very down, these two guys, plus feeling the way they're feeling. And um, listen, I think it's going to be a very tight game. But um, listen, no, I, I, I'll give the. I, you know, I give it the, the very to to Claire on the basis of respect and what they've done in the, in the championship so far. But um, I see it as a fifty fifty game, and 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 that's no word of a lie. Um, you, if they weren't already golden tickets for the double header on Saturday, you've made them uh, even more golden. I think after that, Tommy, there should be two absolutely cracking games. Uh, before we let you go, the weekly shout out from uh, Tommy Welch yeah. is uh, the most eagerly anticipated part of the segment. Who have we got this morning? Well, I don't know about that, but um, the, the shout-outs, they come from all over. And um, there could be a hurl. Like, we've had a manager so far. We've had a hurler. Um, we've had games. So this week, I'm going for a commentator. as me, Hollum Hurtig. Um, like, I think we can all agree. This man, like, you know, he was the colossus. He was a national treasure. I was just looking up some of the stuff that, you know, he has done over the years, like, but I was even thinking of my own story, like how many families grew up listening to this guy? Uh, you know, you turn on the radio, you go out to the kitchen, and he would just, like, you didn't even feel like you were at the game. You felt you were a part of the game. You felt you were hurling in the game. It's just the culture that he grew up, his mastery of the Irish language, his mastery of, of every language, the English language as well. He was just out on his own. And um, he's my shout out this week. Like, I think he's the best commentator in any sport, in any country in, in the world. Um, he really brought our family, absolutely, you know, loved him. He's loved all over Ireland. He's loved all over the world. Um, there was some, like, I was trying to get up to a quote. Like, he had great humour as well, on mm. uh, and Ashing. And I was looking up quotes last night that he came up with. And, you know, I nearly spent an hour going through them. But uh, I came up with two that, that, <laughs> that he said. I thought they were brilliant. He said, uh, Colin Corkery on the 45, let's go with the right boot. It's over the bar. This man shouldn't be playing football. He's made an almost Lazarus-like recovery from a heart condition. 
Lazarus was a great man, but he couldn't kick pints like Colin Corfrey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> oh, with that kind of stuff. Like he, he was very intelligent as well. And my favourite one then was, um, <laughs> he was talking, it must have been a Tyrone game, and he goes, and Brian, Brian Doer is down injured. And while he is, I'll tell you a little story. I was in Times Square in New York last week, and I was missing the championship back home. So I approached the newsstand, and I suppose you wouldn't have the carry man, would you? To which the Egyptian behind the counter turned to me, and he said, do you want the North Kerry edition or the South Kerry edition? <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had both, so I bought both. And Doer is back in his feet. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so a like, legend. Uh, it was amazing. And one last small one then was, and this was, <laughs> again, just showing his wit and his humour. And which is everything the G is about. It is about winning. It is about horror. It is about football. But it's about the crack and the camaraderie as well. And he goes, the stopwatch has stopped. It's up to God and the referee now. The referee is Pat Horn and God is God. <laughs> 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 so listen, you know, uh, you know, and before every game as well, uh, on national, like I listen to him going up to matches. Um, I put it on in the YouTube and I put the, the, the four over in, in, in the passenger seat of the car and I listen to him whether it's going to Turles or whether it's going to Crow Park, just to get in there, trying to learn from him, obviously. Like, he, this guy seen it as obviously a career, but it was his mission to, 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 to help the viewers, not to help the players, but to help the viewers, the listeners, that he brought the game to them. And they were the most important uh, people in, in Ireland when he was commenting. And when you do listen to him, go, you just see how important it is that you need to be up for it and you need to do your best uh, when, when, when you're looking at a game and you know there was a few things that I do listen to and one of them if any of our listeners <laughs> he, he, he does a great commentary on making a ham sandwich oh yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you look it up on YouTube and that's uh, absolutely outstanding and he does a hurler's prayer great as well and uh, and even I used to try and listen to games that he commented on and for the first few years when I was at yourselves the only one I could find was 2010 all Ireland so yeah. how great a commentator be Hall and Mahertig is. The only game I could listen to was the 1010 all Ireland to Barry Bees in, <laughs> and I still listen to him just to hear him. Wow. And uh, now, thankfully, someone bought the 96 all Ireland, so I'm listening to Wexford winning their all Ireland now, so it's much better. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. So will, you'll have Michal on YouTube going to Thurles this weekend? I will, yeah, every game. Just because, you know the way it's so complacent, like Brian Cody always taught us, complacency like it's a need it has to be it's a disease it has to be got out of the dressing room and you never let it creep in but I just find going to a match you know you could think you're going as a supporter just to enjoy the occasion but I suppose your job working for yourselves is you know to I suppose tell the listeners what you're looking at and try and bring the game I suppose to them so I just find if you turn on him for five minutes and it might be just him making a ham sandwich mm. it, uh, it, it makes you just a life and, and you, you, you feel listen you have an important job to do now in two or three hours so you just feel up for it yeah Tommy Welsh absolutely fantastic stuff as always thanks a million enjoy the weekend let's look bye bye setting the table early before the All-Ireland quarterfinals this weekend Tommy Welsh there and it's going to be a cracking double header in Thurles on Saturday OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar 